Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. If you like podcasts, you're going to like Audible.com. There's over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Lately, I've been listening to Focus by Daniel Goldman. If you're listening on the iPhone or iPad, click the link displayed on the app right now to get your free audiobook download, or go to paleorunner.org and click Audible at the top of the page. My guest today is Tara Grant. Tara has transformed her body and her health, going from 235 pounds to 159 pounds since going primal in 2009. Tara suffered from a litany of health concerns related to the standard American diet. Empowered by reclaiming her health, Tara has made it her mission to inspire others about primal living. Her book, The Hidden Plague, details her struggles with a debilitating skin condition and how sufferers can take matters into their own hands. Tara, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great speaking with you. Tara, tell me a little bit about your background and how you first stumbled onto the pri- primal living. Um, Well, I had been sick for most of my life, although I didn't know it. I was always about 10 to 15 pounds overweight while I was growing up. Um, I needed glasses because I became nearsighted. I had cystic acne, irregular periods, really bad mood swings. But I was told all that stuff was normal. Um, And anything else that was going on with me, um, whether it was boils in my groin or dandruff on my head, I was told was either normal or they didn't know what was wrong with me um, and basically that it was all in my head. All of these health problems I were were having, they were trying to tell me that it was just psychosomatic. Um, And so I wasn't able to lose weight at all. It didn't matter what diet I went on. I was even placed on a calorie restricted diet under medical supervision. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was 1600 calories a day. I counted every freaking calorie. And at the end of a couple of months, I was down one pound. That was also working out six days a week. My doctor just threw his hands up in disgust, said, you must be cheating. Um, And so at that point, I didn't know what to do. I I essentially stopped going to doctors. um, And my brother sent me a copy of Mark Sisson's book, The Primal Blueprint, when um, my kids were five months old. I had twins in January of 2009. And I had put on like over 100 pounds during the pregnancy. It was just miserable. And uh, after they were born, the weight on the scale started to go up. I started freaking out and panicking. And all of the problems I had had pre-pregnancy came came back, smacked me in the face, and I, I honestly thought that my life was going to be over within a year. I just felt like I was 80 years old and I wanted to die. So when my brother sent me the Primal Blueprint, I was, I'd hit rock bottom. I had no other 
options, treatments, solutions. Nothing I had tried had worked. I started reading it. And I'll tell you, I went primal before I even finished the first chapter of that book. It resonated with me so deeply. And I had probably about 500 light bulbs go off. It just made complete sense. So, you know, before I'd even finished reading the book, I went primal and I have not looked back. It's been almost five years now. Every single one of those problems I had slowly melted away. And then all I had to do was uh, get in there and do some scientific tweaking and find out exactly what I could do to make my diet the best for me. And there you go. There you have it. I have nothing wrong with me anymore. And before I was trying to think of something that wasn't wrong with me before I went primal. The only thing I could come up with was that I didn't have cancer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. That's an incredible story. That is, that is just amazing. Uh, So you, you read that book and and you, what was it that resonated with you the most about Mark Sisson's book? Well, he kind of ties everything down to insulin. And I, I knew that, um, a few years prior, the only way I had been able to lose any weight was by doing a low carb diet. Uh, when I tried the like Atkins, um, I lost 40 pounds. I kept that off. And then of course there's no discussion of food quality or, you know, anti-nutrients or intolerances and the Atkin diet. It's, it's simply protein and fat. So I didn't know why when I went to, when I tried to do Atkins again, it didn't work. No, because I was cheating with Subway sandwiches or cheating with a bar of milk chocolate. Um, I had no idea about autoimmunity or gut health at that time. So I knew, though, that the only way I'd been able to lose weight was by going low carb. And so the insulin connection in the Primal Blueprint made a lot of sense to me. Okay. 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 So you said you started incorporating it right away. How did you go about that? Did you throw everything out in your pantry? Um, tell me how you how someone does that. You know, going from a standard American diet to Mark Sisson's Primal Diet, especially when you have five month old premature twins at home and a husband who's deployed. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. I would not have been able to do it if my mom weren't staying with me at the time. Um, my mom has always been very supportive in anything that I have wanted to do, and uh, although she didn't think that she needed to go primal because she felt very, very healthy at the time. She wanted to support me. And so we literally changed our diets that day. We threw out a bunch of stuff, all the soy flour I'd been cooking with and anything that had wheat in it. We just threw it all out and uh, started bringing in fresh whole ingredients and experimenting together. So if I didn't have that support of having my mother with me at the time, I don't know if we'd be standing here talking because it can be a little difficult at the beginning but I'm also really stubborn really really stubborn and if I knew that it was the right path for me then who knows maybe we would still be standing here talking right and in 2009 there was there you know we we look at the paleo and primal movement now and there's so much information out there but in 2009 I still hadn't even heard of paleo or primal and so there probably wasn't a lot as much information out there as there is now if someone tries it now they have a lot of support and a lot of websites, but what was it like back then? Um, well, basically, um, you know, I was introduced to Mark's Daily Apple through the Primal Blueprint book. That was my main resource. And as I started um, branching out, I found Rob Wolf, robwolf.com, and the Paleo Solution book. Um, I started 
buying more books um, and doing as much research as I could. There wasn't a lot out there at the time. What was really surprising is that most of the success stories were from men. There were very, very few from women. And when I sent my success story into Mark's Daily Apple, they were thrilled because here was a woman who had lost 100 pounds, who was doing amazingly well. And... Um, so I think I got in right at the beginning when there weren't too many blogs out there. There wasn't too much going on. And uh, that's kind of how I found myself mm -hmm. in there. So what were some of the first things that you started to see improve where you said, okay, you know what, this is actually working. You know, it's not just the theory that you liked, but you actually, you kept going with it because you saw improvements. What were some of those things that you saw improve? Uh, the very first thing, um, my mood and my sleep. Within two or three days of going primal, my mood started to lift. Um, and then I started to get more energy um, and I was seeing weight loss. And for me at the beginning, the weight loss was enough. That's all I needed to see, a pound here, two pounds there. It actually started really melting off me quite quickly. Um, and then little by little, I realized that, oh, I haven't been itchy in a really long time, or I haven't had dandruff in a long time, or I haven't broken out, or you know, I just had a, a menstrual cycle and I wasn't in bed with debilitating cramps for three days. Yeah, things just gradually started to get better. The inflammation started to go down. And um, I'd say over the first 18 months, um, which is how long it took me to lose that all of that weight, mm -hmm. um, things just melted away one by one. Okay. So you mentioned that your skin started to improve a lot. And can you tell me the full title of your book? Because a lot of your book deals with skin issues. And, you know, that's something that I noticed as well. When I, before I had gone paleo, I, I would, I would get some kind of painful boils or something under my skin. And I could just never figure out what it was. And it, it never got to the point where it was really bad, but they would just be painful. But when I went paleo, I noticed I hardly ever get those anymore. So tell me a little bit about, I can't pronounce the full title of your book, but okay. tell me what that condition is and, and how that improved for you. All right. Well, the, the name of the book is The Hidden Plague, A Field Guide for Surviving and Overcoming Hydrogenitis Sephorativa. And it's been published by Primal Blueprint Publishing. Um, and um, a lot of people will take a look at the front cover and they, they see this long hydrogenitis sephorativa. They don't even know how to say it. They go, oh, I don't have this. Um, but it's actually very, very common. There are different stages to HS, and when you go online and do Google image searches, you're going to see the horrible ones. You're going to see the ones that people are going into surgery for, um, boils that are the size of baseballs or golf balls, um, really, really bad. But what doesn't get discussed a lot are very, very mild cases, a mild stage one case of HS, which sounds very much like what you described to me random boils or deep-seated lumps that are quite painful that will pop up from time to time sometimes only once or twice a year um, depending on how much inflammation you have going on and they can be anywhere on your body they can be on your scalp on your face on your neck but most commonly they're in places where skin touches skin so your armpits your groin your buttocks if you're overweight and you have folds of skin you might see um, some there women will often get them underneath their breasts and I've seen quite a few men that have them on their chest mm -hmm. and sometimes even on their back. 
Um, so you go to the, if, if you go to a doctor at all with this, um, they'll say, oh, it's it's just a zit or it's just a boil. Don't worry about it. You know, if it come, if they come back or the, you get more of them, come see us again. And unfortunately, if you don't get to the root of the problem, those boils and those lumps and those ingrown hairs and those zits and that cystic acne is going to continue. It's not going to seem to have any kind of a pattern and you're not going to know what's causing it or how to get rid of it. So you go back to your doctor and your doctor says, well, we've exhausted our options at this point, which is somewhat ridiculous because they didn't have any to begin with. Your only other choice is a daily course of antibiotics for the rest of your life or surgery. And so people with HS, um, this is something that I, ex I experienced. I spent over 20 years, first of all, just trying to get a diagnosis. And then I saw over 40 doctors trying to find a solution and not one of them was able to help me. So uh, when, I, when I went primal, I realized that my HS had gotten a lot better, a lot better. It was almost gone, but every so often I would still flare up for no apparent reason. At the time, I didn't know that this was actually an autoimmune condition. I sat down and talked to Lauren Cordain about it in 2011 and... Um, he said, oh yeah, we're, we're almost positive that HS has an autoimmune uh, connection. And so I went home and started doing research on the autoimmune paleo protocol, uh, started tweaking it for myself, uh, threw some blog posts up online, had a ton of responses from that and started helping a lot of people. And I realized I needed to get this out in a book because there were so many people out there that either have this and have, you know, they're, they're stuck at home, they can't even work, it's so bad, they need help. And then there are millions and millions of people that don't even know what they have. They might just think, oh, I've got ingrown hairs in my armpit or, you know, oh, that's so weird. I have a really painful lump in my groin um, until it starts to get really bad and they, they start looking for solutions. Um, they don't know what they have. And so I wanted to get this information out there to show people that. Yes, this is an autoimmune condition. It is completely treatable with diet. Um, of course, you do have to keep on top of it like any autoimmune condition. You can't just fall off the wagon for two years and expect nothing to happen. But uh, there is a natural solution to put mm -hmm. yourself into remission. Mm -hmm. I like how you mentioned that you had to kind of customize your diet and figure out those trigger foods and what works and what didn't work for you. Tell me a little bit more about how you had to customize uh, primals uh, or paleo style of diet and what were some of the trigger foods that would uh, cause some of that inflammation? Well, so the, the biggest thing for me was nightshades, which up until I talked to Lauren Cordain hadn't even been on my radar. Um, I had cut white potatoes mostly out of my diet but because they were a whole food I would cheat with them every so often and then of course tomatoes and hot peppers and eggplant and bell peppers those are completely acceptable on a regular paleo diet mm -hmm. so once I cut nightshades out I went into remission um, I would say for about six months or so. Now, at the time, I had also drastically cut down on the fruit that I was having. So when I started to flare up again after six months, I didn't know why because nightshades were gone. I hadn't had any. I hadn't cheated. Um, and so I started looking into some of the other foods that I was eating and some of the other connections. And I found um, a connection to uh, skin conditions, autoimmune skin conditions in particular, and yeast. 
I had always thought I had a problem with gluten because I would just be miserable after eating a piece of bread. Um, but it turns out that I'm not, I'm sure gluten affects me. I'm sure it does, but the yeast in the bread was actually more problematic for me and would make me flare up more than the gluten would. So I started looking into yeast and thinking, okay, well, if I cut out beer and bread, I've already done that. Why am I still flaring up? Well, there are so many sources of wild yeast out there, um, especially on grape skins uh, or on in canned pineapple or dried fruit. A lot of these things that I had cut out of my diet, but I would have occasionally, you know, I'll have some fresh grapes every so often, not even thinking that there could be a connection. And wow. so once, okay. once I established yeast and wild yeast and even going so far as aged cheeses, uh, which have molds in them and uh, fungi as well, mushrooms and truffles, they're all related. And if you have a sensitivity to yeast, you may also have a sensitivity to mold and to fungi. So once I cut all that stuff out and started experimenting with that, and I found, I think yeast is probably a bigger trigger for me than nightshades. Okay. So it was just a matter of being a detective, doing some biohacking and uh, getting really scientific about it, um, eating the same thing for three or four days with just a couple little changes here and there and uh, recording all of all of my um, my theories and my conclusions and and the results and everything. So. Wow, that that's fascinating. Um, so you've you've basically done a lot of the work so that people out there that are struggling with this can kind of follow your template and, and uh, see if it works for them. So for people that don't know, explain a little bit more what are nightshades and why they might affect someone. Well, nightshades are a group of foods that seem to have nothing in common if you look at them. So we're looking at white potatoes, tomatoes, bell peppers hot peppers, and that also includes spices, uh, a lot of curry spices, paprika, um, and anything that has uh, red pepper in it. Um, eggplant is also a nightshade. Tobacco is a nightshade. And little things like goji berries, um, pimentos, huckleberries, and uh, what is the other one? Uh, pepino melons. Those are all nightshades. And they seem to have nothing in common. But when you take a closer look at the chemistry within the food, that's where you see the link. Nightshades contain alkaloids, um, which are an anti-nutrient, um, and they also act, they can act like a drug within our bodies. Um, nightshades have been directly linked to rheumatoid arthritis. A lot of people that uh, remove them from their diet have, will go into remission if they have RA. Um, and it's really individual. Some people may have an issue with nightshades, other people may not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the fruit, you said that a lot of fruit can have mold and fungus and yeast on it, right? Are there any fruits that you found that are acceptable? Um, yes, actually. Um, fruits that have a thick, inedible skin. So I was always fine with things like oranges or bananas or uh, kiwis if I peeled them. Um, and avocado, none of those things make me uh, make me flare up as, at all. Because when you take, you remove the skin, you remove any yeasts that may have settled and are growing on there. Also, um, avoiding overripe fruit mm. is very important. Okay. Are carbs a big factor in this? You said at the beginning that, you know, the only thing that had worked for you was a lower carb diet. Is that a big role in keeping insulin down? And what, what kind of carbs do you eat now, if any? Um, I eat quite a few carbs now. Um, I have sweet potatoes, uh, lots of vegetables, uh, root vegetables, um, especially now that it's wintertime. Um, 
I do have quite a, quite a few carbs in my diet, um, but sugar plays a role in all autoimmune conditions. Sugar creates inflammation. Insulin also creates inflammation. And when you eat sugar, you create insulin. So it becomes kind of like a domino effect. The sugar itself, the carbs themselves may not be causing the autoimmune response, but they're definitely aggravating it. They're creating more inflammation, which creates more pain when you do have that flare up. Mm, okay. So it sounds like, you know, you've had to cut out a lot of different foods and you finally found something that works for you. So people listening might be thinking, oh my gosh, if I have this, I can't live a normal life. I have to eat this bland diet. So run me through what you eat on a daily basis and kind of what some of your meals look like. Oh, wow. Well, I eat basically a, a standard paleo diet, um, just with a couple extra little exclusions in there. Um, on a daily basis, let's see. Well, I don't eat breakfast usually. I used to every day of my, my life up until I went primal ate breakfast. Um, but now I'll have um, some coffee in the morning, two or three cups of coffee. Sometimes I'll add some eggs to it and uh, coconut oil and ghee, and I'll make myself lattes, which is really nice. That'll pretty much hold me over for the whole day. Um, I'll have a big lunch around noon, and it'll depend on what's in the fridge. I'll either have leftovers from last night's dinner, or I'll make myself up a huge omelet and throw you know a pound of spinach in there. I used to do mushrooms. I'm not doing mushrooms anymore. I also used to do cheese and I'm now dairy free. Um, so, you know, I'm throwing some bacon or some ham or uh, whatever it is I have in the fridge. Um, and then dinner will be, you know, it's, it's a basically like a standard paleo meal. Sometimes we'll do a crock pot. Sometimes we'll do steaks. You know, one of my favorite dinners is a great big steak smothered in butter um, and garlic uh, with a huge portion of broccoli, uh, again, with more butter or coconut oil on it, um, and then a sweet potato. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, oh, so that, sounds, that sounds pretty delicious, actually. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's kind of my go-to meal. I don't think it's bland at all. Mm -hmm. um, what I, I found that I can tolerate um, hot peppers or hot sauce in very small amounts. So I'll allow myself to have some, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks, as long as it's a small amount, I can handle it. Okay. Um, but I've only been able to establish that through experimentation. So what I recommend for people, if you're trying to find your triggers, you want to go really bland, really boring, really autoimmune protocol strict for at least 30 days. When you find you're in remission, you're feeling a lot better, then um, in my book, I have a pretty detailed reintroduction phase to show you how to reintroduce um, different foods and food groups one at a time in a scientific manner so you can figure out what... Um, what it is that's causing your issues. I've also got all the lists of symptoms as well uh, to look out for things that you might not be aware of. Um, you know, just because you don't flare up with something or have aching joints doesn't mean the food isn't affecting you. You might find that you're asleep. All of a sudden you're waking up 20 times in the middle of the night, or you have a headache that you just don't know where it came from. You're feeling really fatigued and tired. And so while you're going through the introduction phase, there are a lot of things to be, uh, to be on the lookout out for. Okay. So you talk in your book also a little bit about hormones and um, tell me about what, what role those play and how we can 
you know, keep our hormones in check so that we don't get flare-ups? Well, actually, I've got a whole chapter on hormones. And the reason for that is because so many people that have skin conditions are convinced that it's their hormones that are doing it. A lot of women will flare up right before their periods. And so they are convinced that their skin condition is hormonal. Um, and of course, that's backed up by the doctors who try and put them on uh, anti-androgens or birth control pills or uh, any other number of, of medications. Um, hormones do play a role. But what I have found is that it all comes down to the master hormone, insulin. When your insulin is elevated, it throws off other hormones. So all of our hormones are connected. Um, and when one of them is out of, out of whack, our other hormones will struggle to, to find stability and balance within our bodies. So when we have one, one hormone that's out, let's say it's testosterone, then our estrogen is going to struggle to find balance. And if you go to the doctor, they may say, well, you have an estrogen imbalance. You don't have enough estrogen. Here's uh, some birth control pills that should fix it. Essentially, what that's doing is just putting a Band-Aid on the problem. So... What we want to do is get to the bottom of it, to get to the root of the problem. And the root of hormonal problems, from what I found, is insulin. So if you don't mind, I'd like to read a little bit from The Hidden Plague on page 104 uh, in the Hormone Connection chapter. That'd be great. About insulin. Believe it or not, insulin is behind all the hormonal problems associated with HS. That's right, insulin, that delicately fine-tuned fine instrument we've been abusing and ignoring all these years on the standard American diet. In the Primal Blueprint, Mark Sisson does a fantastic job explaining the intricacies of insulin. I realized I had a problem with insulin after reading this book and was thrilled to find out that by following an ancestral diet, I could, I could correct my insulin problem. What's more, by correcting your insulin, you also correct other hormonal problems. So here's the scoop on insulin. It's been around since the beginning of human evolution. In fact, it's so old that other hormones in our body were actually built upon it. Simply put, there is not a hormone in the body that insulin doesn't affect, if not directly control. We don't respect it nearly enough. We think insulin's biggest job is to control our blood sugar, but it turns out insulin's a little higher in the pecking order than previously assumed. Insulin's main agendas are regulating lifespan and storing nutrients. It is the mob boss controlling the whole warehouse. We have to get our insulin levels down if we have any chance of getting our other hormones in line and going into remission. In order to fully understand insulin, we need to understand what happens in our bodies when we eat. We need to understand sugar. Wow, that's great. So, you know, a moment ago, you said you actually include quite a few carbs and a lot of people might be thinking, well, isn't that going to spike up your insulin? So tell me how you go about controlling insulin. Well, at the beginning, when I first went primal, I was really metabolically deranged. I couldn't handle carbs at all if I wanted to lose weight. Um, and so I was on pretty much a ketogenic diet for almost a couple of years. Um, I then I had gotten my insulin sensitivity back. I had lost all the weight I wanted to lose. My leptin sensitivity, I was rocking and rolling in all the hormonal departments. I found that I started to get really tired all the time. All of a sudden, I had all this fatigue set in. So I tried throwing in a sweet potato in my dinner, and the fatigue instantly went away. So at the beginning, I couldn't handle carbs. But once I kind of fixed myself, I fixed my metabolism, I was able to incorporate more. So what I suggest at the beginning, depending on what your goals are, is um, 
to start out with a, a standard paleo diet, which really, if you look at it, it is low carb. You cut out all those, the breads and pastries and pastas and rice and things like that. You will be eating fewer carbs than you would on a standard American diet. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's a low carb diet. You just have to find what works best for you and for your current situation. And that can change. You know, you might be eating a certain way for six months and be doing really great. And then you need to tweak it a little bit, maybe add fewer carbs, add more carbs, um, more fat, less protein even, um, until you find that, that perfect mixture for you. And it's something you got to keep taking a look at for the rest of your life. You can't just eat the same way starting today until the, you know, you're 70 years old. Well, maybe you can. Hopefully you can. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so, Terry, you also talk about how stress manage management is uh, pretty important. And actually, for people who are listening, Terry's actually been walking this whole time on a homemade treadmill desk that you can go and check out on her blog, uh, primalgirl.com. It's pretty cool. Um, tell me, <clears throat> how does that treadmill desk, how, incorporating that, is that part of your stress management or is that just something you do because you enjoy it? Both. <laughs> um, when I was writing this book, I was sitting down at a desk that was um, too short for me on a chair that was too tall. My back was aching. I, I was crossing and uncrossing my legs and struggling to to be comfortable the entire time. Um, I started looking into stand-up desks and I thought, well, that would be a, a great idea until I found myself, you know, I'd be standing up and hunched over, leaning with my elbows on the, the counter, you know, standing on one foot, rolling my hips. And it, that also became uncomfortable in and of itself. So Mark, uh, Mark Staley Apple did a post on tread disc desks, which I didn't even know existed. I had no idea that you could walk and type at the same time. So mm -hmm. as soon as I saw that, I went to the website that they had been um, had been advertising. I said, oh, my God, these things are $2,000. I took a look at it. I'm like, that's just a tall desk with a treadmill. <laughs> I built one of those myself. So the minute we, we got it up, we built a really sturdy desk and there's instructions on my, my blog on how to do that. I started walking and immediately everything in my life just seemed to get better. My sleep improved. Um, my, I, I, my back wasn't hurting anymore. I was, didn't have any pain. And when I was finished my work day, I felt energized. I felt fantastic to where I now had the energy to go to the gym if I wanted to, but I didn't have to because I'd already worked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So have you found it hard to get used to typing while you're walking on the treadmill? Um, no, because I found the magic speed for me. Mm. 1.7 miles an hour with an incline of one is perfect for me. I'm 5'9", so my legs are a little longer. Um, Mark Staley Apple recommended, I think it was 1.5 to 1.7 miles an hour, but that was just too slow. Mm. Okay, okay. So do you have any other discoveries related to paleo that you want to share with our listeners? I know you've, you've kind of gone through a lot and, and you've probably learned a lot along the way that I don't can't even begin to know about. Do you, is there anything else that you'd like to mention? Vitamin D and the proper time of day to take it. Um, I have been collaborating with Dr. Seth Roberts um, about uh, different times of day to take vitamin D. Uh, he started doing experimentation on it and um, I found I was taking it at 7 o'clock at night. I was ta take about 10,000 units a day, uh, not every day, but most days. And um, 
I would find when I did take the vitamin D at night, I would wake up 20 to 30 times in, in the middle of the night. So I switched to the mornings and my sleep problems went away immediately and have not returned. Um, so there is a lot of discussion out there about what supplements you should take, but there isn't a lot out there about what time of day you should take them. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, so is were you going to say that there's more or is that kind of, you oh, wrote, I mean, are there other supplements that you're taking? Oh, yes. Uh, probiotics. Probiotics okay. are probably, um, you know, if I only had one thing to choose from uh, to recommend to people, it would be probiotics. Uh, taking them, increasing the, the number of probiotics I take, plus including fermented foods has been incredibly helpful. Um, most of us that have autoimmune conditions, I'd say probably all of us that have, have uh, autoimmune issues, um, have dysbiosis, which is where you've got more bad bacteria in your gut than good bacteria. Um, and so you've got to fix that. If you want to go into remission, you want to heal your gut, you need to make sure that you repopulate it with good bacteria. Oh, another um, something I've discovered as well that um, a lot of people might not know. When I was do- As I was doing my research and I was learning about different mucous membranes and whatnot, learning our gut is a mucous membrane, um, I also learned that there's colonies of flora in every mucous membrane in our body. So in our eyes, in our sinuses, in our mouths, um, down the entire GI tract, um, right straight from your mouth down to your, your anus, we've got different um, communities of flora that are responsible for, for maintaining the integrity of that mucous membrane. And uh, so somebody that suffers from eye infections all the time or sinus infections may very well have dysbiosis of their eye flora or their sinus flora. So I used to have chronic sinusitis and seasonal allergies. And uh, so I took some probiotics and put them in my neti pot. Mm -hmm. And two or three applications of that, my sinusitis was gone. Wow. Literally, Literally gone. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Is there a certain type of probiotic? I know you mentioned that you you take some every day in a capsule and you also try to get them in foods. Do you have to use different probiotics for different applications? Um, Ideally, yes, but they're not available on the market. Um, I went to a website called, it was ubiome.com. Calm, I think. And they were doing research on um, the different uh, communities of flora. And they found that sinusitis is caused by the overgrowth of one particular bad bacteria. And they named the uh, that bad bacteria's nemesis. I can't remember. Uh, Lactobacillus sakai, S-A-K-E-I, I think. And so I started going online and like, where can I get this? And the only place I was able to find it was in um, some uh, meat curing uh, solution. I thought, well, there's no way in hell I'm putting that up my nose. <laughs> you know? So I thought, well, let's just try the reg- regular back- uh, lactobacillus and see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I did go online and research this stuff before I just stuck it up my nose. Um, and I found actually a very respected doctor, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Tim Gershmar, who has also been doing this. So once I got that information, I tried it myself. Um and it worked just absolutely blown away. Uh, but ideally, what I would like to be able to do is go to a health food store and get um, eye drops, probiotic eye drops that are formulated specifically for, uh, you know, for your eye flora or um, a nasal spray that has probiotics in it. Unfortunately, things like that just aren't on the market yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, you know, it might even, t- they might never be. Right. 
Well, Terry, you've gone through so much, and I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with our listeners what, what you've gone through and how you've overcome so many health conditions. Thanks again for being on the show. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can help out by transcribing one of the episodes. Feel free to send me an email to aaron at paleorunner.org. That's aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at paleorunner.org.